people just think about anxiety as being in the mind, but that then evokes this physical reaction and sensation. And so my kind of thought or looking into that was it, when it's such a physical and physiological thing, we need a physical and physiological way to get out of that. Hey, all of you body, mind, soul seekers. This is your doctor, Dr. Body, Mind, Soul, here to expand the collective consciousness of the body, mind, soul connection so we can all learn to live a truly healthy life. Let's dive in. I'm so excited to share this week's episode of Dr. Body, Mind, Soul, where I've been speaking with Emma Amoscato. On this episode, we go through an evidence-based system she has devised to manage anxiety, which is so important right now. So for anyone suffering with the uncertainty that we are all experiencing, this one is for you. So I'm really thrilled to be welcoming Emma Amascato to the podcast today. Now, Emma is the creator of The Smile System and helps people overcome anxiety, worries, and what-ifs. The system is based on using the science of the smile to stop spiraling negative thought patterns and panic. It combines psychological and holistic therapies to dig deeper and unravel people's thoughts and behaviors. Emma is currently completing a master's in the psychology and neuroscience of mental health at King's College London. She became interested in the field after her own challenges with anxiety and PTSD and her work with families living with life-threatening food allergies. She's the author of two books on food allergy, endorsed by Allergy UK, and has a background as a journalist and corporate communications consultant. So, Emma, welcome. Hello, brilliant to be here. Yeah, it's really great to be here. And I thought we just might start with with an introduction in your own words, Emma. Um, Whereabouts in the world are you right now? Sure. So I am sat in my bedroom, which is down a muddy farm track um, in Bedfordshire, where I live with my husband and my two kids. That's so nice. Emma, can you just tell me a little bit about or tell us a little bit about what led you to this work? Yeah, so it it hasn't really been, a, I guess, a linear pattern to get there. So I used to work solely as a journalist um, and as a a corporate communications consultant and writing trainer and then seven years ago my son was born and very quickly we knew there was something not quite right going on um, and he eventually got uh, diagnosed with multiple food allergies when he was about nine months old and so trying to figure all that out and then a few months later he had an anaphylactic reaction to milk he got hold of another child's milk bottle took a sip his airways started closing up. And so that threw me into this kind of spiral of, oh my goodness, how do I keep him safe? How do I keep him alive? What do I do now? Um, And because of my background as a journalist, my first instinct was to start writing about it. So I started a blog back then, you know, just charting our um, our journey, sharing all the kind of, you know, everything I could find about it. Cause obviously I like to research and I like to read, um, and just connecting with other people that were going, was going through the same thing. Um, yeah, so that kind of grew from there. And then over the next couple of years, we, we just faced various different challenges with, you know, severe asthma attacks and anaphylactic reactions with my son. Um, I had a very traumatic birth that led to post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, my husband, unfortunately, was diagnosed with um, incurable cancer. So there were just things piling on top of each other that really made my anxiety spiral um, to a point where I wasn't really coping with it. And 
obviously with my work with other families with life-threatening allergies it's a really big problem it's a really big problem you know trying to deal with that anxiety um and so i got referred for various um you know, different therapies. I had cognitive behavior therapy. Um, I saw a psychologist. I went down lots of different avenues to really figure out what worked for me. And when I finally got there, I wanted to be able to pass that on to other people. So not only have you written, you know, I mean, first of all, what a fascinating story, so personal and so, um, and really crosses like not only were you dealing with life-threatening allergies, but the consequences of having those in your life. Um, Yes. And, and the, the anxiety that I don't think is very well recognized that must be um, sort of such a huge thing to, to, to cope with when you're sort of faced with living um, in a world which is potentially unsafe for your child. Absolutely. I, I think, as you say, like the psychological side of it is just really underrecognized. You know, in the whole of um, the allergy clinics across the UK, and we, we know allergies are rising and rising, especially amongst children, there's only two psychologists in the whole system, and actually being able to get access to them or have any of that support is incredibly difficult because obviously they're already really overstretched. And, you know, you're given this diagnosis, you're sent away, you're given the adrenaline injectors and said, you know, if something happens, stab your child with this and that's it, go go and get on with it. And so many parents are just left in this black hole of, oh my goodness, how do I get on with everyday life and, and deal with that and the fear of something happening to your child. And it really underscores the point that um, anxiety can come up for so many different reasons in whatever um, way that, you know, in, in so many, in so many ways that we live, like, I mean, you've dealt, you're, you're dealing with some real fears, like real, mm. actual, you know, real fears. And it's not surprising that anxiety is to accompany those fears. Um, not only have you um, had to learn to deal with the allergies, but you've had multiple other um, traumatic experiences as well, which inevitably bring up strong emotions that um, that also need to be managed and recognised and acknowledged. Yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, everybody has challenges in their lives at different levels and at different times. And I think often those um, intersect or build on top of each other. And I can see now, having delved much deeper into it, that I always had a fairly anxious personality and I can dissect some of those things that I just saw as being me, like overthinking or procrastination or, or um, you know, not being able to make decisions, not being able to sit still and concentrate. I can see now that they were anxious tendencies. And then, but we tend to just kind of bury them and get on with life. And then it's not until something bigger triggers that or, or some of these traumas and these experiences layer on top of each other that it all hits the point where actually we we can't manage that and suppress it anymore and that just leads so so nicely into the fact that um or, or the bit so, so nicely leads to to why i've brought you onto the podcast today because it's not unusual at all for me to see people who are experiencing um, their anxiety come come to them sometimes for the first time in a big way which leads them to a and e so even you know before the pandemic, um, I was seeing a lot of anxiety, and people um, present in all sorts of ways, mainly with the physical symptoms of anxiety, which very commonly um, are chest tightness, palpitations, dizziness, tingling in the fingers, 
And sometimes they just don't know what's going on and they feel they're going to die. It's a very powerful um, feeling, a very powerful emotion. And the, the body is panicking. The body is feeling the fear. And so I see that. I, I see I see the repercussions of, of, of those people with anxiety and I've been searching and wanting to offer people a tool um, that they can use to help them in times like that but um, it's not something that I've really been taught about in medical school and so often um, doctors almost dismiss um, those feelings as mm. not really signaling anything physically going wrong which in some ways I is, is true there's nothing physically going wrong but it, it is the body's normal reaction to fear and at the moment there's a lot of collective fear um, and so what I really love about your your work and what we're going to go into the podcast today is a tool a system which can not only um, support people in the throes of, 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 a, of an acute panic attack but also it's, it, it provides longer term strategies that really focus on the deeper roots of anxiety um, and how to change your life and relationships to yourself to support a healthier you. So that's what I really want to, um, I'm really excited about exploring the system, the smile system that you've developed through your own personal experience and also through the work that you're doing in your master's that um, your master's is on, the, the neuroscience of mental health I mean yeah psychology and neuroscience of mental health is a bit of a mouthful isn't it <laughs> it's a bit of a mouthful but I believe you're doing that really as well to underscore or underpin or or really consolidate your yes. knowledge of how the body and the mind work together am I right yeah, absolutely. So, you know, initially all these tools and techniques were the result of, of my research and my experience and working with, you know, other families and other parents that were going through this and seeing how it was working and seeing the, the, the positive effects it was having. But yeah, absolutely. Then I wanted to make sure that it, I properly had, you know, the scientific backing to that and the real understanding to make sure everything I was finding you know, was, was actually backed up if I'm going to pass it on to other people. So yeah, I literally decided to go back and do a master's to, to pursue this um, smile system and to make sure I could make it the, the, the best it can be. To make it robust and to make yes. it, yeah, exactly, which, 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 is, which, is, um, which is excellent. And I really appreciate the, the work that you're doing in order to provide um, a, a tool which is based in, um, in the science we know um, so that we can offer something to our patients who are really suffering right now um, yeah. with, with, mental, with, with mental health and, um, and, and understandably with, with anxiety. When we consider the world we're living in right now, um, I, it's very understandable that lots of us are feeling, feeling anxious. I think it's been a really difficult year. You know, I think one of the things that I found hardest with the allergies, but particularly with my husband's cancer diagnosis as well, is that uncertainty, is that not being able to control things and not knowing exactly what is around the corner. And I think that's what everybody's been thrown into this year. And on top of that, that feeling of, of collective grief, of, of losing your normal, um, of, of not necessarily being able to do all those things that would usually be your coping strategies or you should be able to put everything in perspective. And in many ways, although it sounds strange, I feel like I was much better prepared for this pandemic 
than lots of people because I've already had to go through all that, you know, and I, and I, and I found my way, I wouldn't say out the other side, but I found my way to a point, a point where I know how to ride the waves and, and, and as you say, how to dig deeper and how to deal with those emotions when they do rise to the surface, um, you know, quite significantly. And that's so interesting because you're not the first person who um, has um, been anxious in the past that I've met um, that actually has felt better prepared for this pandemic. Oh, really? Yeah. Than those who don't tend to suffer or don't tend to recognize their own anxiety and therefore are, have been really thrown when their co- normal coping mm. mechanisms um, and lifestyle um, sort of keeps them at, keeps those symptoms at bay. So yeah, I, I do thank you to all the anxious people out there um, who are able, because of their experience in the past, um, coping with, 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 with anxious thoughts, can then use them to help those who anxiety may be a little bit um, more um, recent or more, yeah. or more uh, less familiar to them. Mm. And so really finding themselves um, thrown, as you said, um, and... And, and yeah, I just want to make a shout out to, to all those who are feeling um, anxious at the moment. It's totally normal to be feeling anxious yeah. right now. Um, and so with no further ado, I mean, let's get talking about this smile system so we can really help all those that are, that are feeling that way. So SMILE um, is an acronym, if I'm not mistaken, isn't it, Emma? You are not mistaking it, is indeed, yes. There's six steps, basically, to it. The, 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 the science of the smile itself um, and how you can use that as a kind of physical response and reaction to help um, pull yourself out of those spiraling spiraling thoughts and calm yourself in the moment and being able to step away enough to then put the other tools and techniques into practice. And then... The smile itself then goes a bit deeper and it looks at self-compassion and self-care. You know, self-care is one of those words that is thrown about a little bit, but actually making sure that, you know, there's lots of emotions that often go on top of anxiety in terms of guilt or, you know, thinking that we shouldn't be feeling that way or we've done something to deserve it. Or There's so many emotions within that that we have to kind of break down and look at to make sure that actually we're treating ourselves in the best way in that moment and on a wider scale. Um, then M is for mindfulness. Um, and really that's, that's not just about, you know, meditation as, as great as meditation is. It's more about looking at different tools and techniques to bring you back into the present because, you know, the whole thing of anxiety is mainly the spiraling what ifs, looking into the future of all those things that haven't happened or those things that you're fearful for, or sometimes also ruminating about the past as well and so it's really about working with yourself to to stay in the present moment which has been such a massive um a massive thing for me to be able be able to do and it's been so important um the i is for investigating those thoughts and feelings and really understanding where thoughts and feelings come from um whether you should believe them or trust them you know um, drawing on things uh, like cognitive behavior therapy to question a little bit further um, and then Al is for letting go of limiting beliefs so again drawing on some of those therapies also looking at action and commitment therapy to look at um, 
your values and stepping forward and where you want to be um, and small steps that we can take to move forward and make a difference and commit to. Um, and the E is more of a holistic side of things, which is emotional freedom technique, which it, the short version is tapping. Um, now, when I first came across that, my friend introduced me to it when I, I was struggling with post-traumatic stress disorder. And I was like, oh, that's a bit woo-woo. I'm not sure about that. But actually, it's been a tool that I use consistently and use a lot to help just, you know, temper my feelings and my emotions um, when they're rising up, especially in the middle of the night when anxiety tends to get me. Um, and, it's, and it has been a really good self-help tool. Wow. So, so you're drawing on lots of different techniques and, and tools um, that yes. you've experienced across multiple healing modalities to form quite a, well, a very holistic system. Yeah. Um, great. So I'd like it if we can just um, slow that down a little bit and break, mm, yeah. and, and break each of those steps down because there's so, there's so much richness, um, it sounds like, to, to each and every one of those. Yeah. So first of all, if we can just um, come back to this idea of the smile. So can mm. you sort of yeah, expand on the science of the smile? Yeah, so it's something that just started with me trying to find a way in that moment when the panic is rising and my thoughts were spiraling all the, all those what ifs just on top of each other and and having those physical sensations as you say of you know the, you know the tightness in the chest and for me it's then kind of rises up into my throat and all those feelings how to get myself out of that point to a situation where I can then put anything else into practice to, to kind of manage it because it's such a um, it's such an intense experience and it's such a physical sensation as you say you know people just think about anxiety as being in the mind but that then evokes this physical reaction and sensation and so my kind of thought or looking into that was it when it's such a physical and physiological thing we need a physical and physiological way to get out of that. Now, you know, a lot of people will talk about breathing, using breathing to calm your system, to ground yourself. And there is a, so much value in that. And it's something I, I do use. But at that point, when you're, you're in that panic and you're in that anxiety, for me, it was like, I can't even concentrate on breathing. That's too much. It's too much to start counting my breaths or focusing on slowing my breathing. I just, my, my brain is going too fast and too far away to be able to even do that. Um, and so I honestly don't even know where it started, but where it finished is realizing that, that smiling is that next step. It's something that is so simple. I don't have to think, breathe. I don't have to count. I just have to go, okay, smile. I know how to move my face into a smile. Um, but then the science behind that is so interesting and so strong for what that actually does physiologically. So I just want to say to start with, it's not about trying to make yourself happy. I'm absolutely not saying that it's anything to do with toxic positivity or ignoring the anxiety and trying to make yourself feel better. It's not. It's really not. It's more about what 
your body physically does. So there are various studies to back it up that simply by moving our muscles in our face and preferably if you go even deeper around our eyes as well to get that genuine, you know, that genuine smile response, that it then sends signals um, to the brain and it does things like release endorphins, release serotonin. Um, it, it naturally starts to lower our heart rate. It naturally starts to slow our breathing rate. And all those things then signal to the body that we're calmer and we're safe. And once all those things start to, to happen, then those physical sensations and, and the real tightness of that anxiety start to release. And once you can then sit with that, you know, and there's a number of different steps in there, you know, it's not just about the smiling, but once you can do that, then you can bring yourself back to a point where you can, you can look at what to do next. Uh, that's wonderful, Emma. And I'm really hearing you say that you're just, it's almost like I'm hearing, and I hate to use this term in this time, but it sounds like a circuit breaker. Yeah, um, yeah. Circuit breaker. Like, you know, that you're, at, you're just allowing your body to receive the message that you are calm and something that's really quick and really accessible that doesn't require your concentration. Because as you say, when people are in the throes of a panic attack, it is really hard to inter interrupt that because the feelings are so overwhelming. And so although I am guilty, I often do suggest to patients that they need to focus on the breath and there's good science to support that. And I understand the physiology to tr that is through the breath actually slowing the heart rate down. And when you can bring that heart rate down through whatever means, yeah, just opening up a little bit more space yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the breath work is great. And that's, you know, that's my next step. I absolutely then, you know, focus on the breath and calming down. But for me, I couldn't, I couldn't just quite get to that point. I needed something to connect me to that next step. I can see that because, you know, the breath work, one, it's very unfamiliar to people. And so, so not everybody has done, you know, is, is familiar with meditation or familiar with focusing on their breath or, you, you know, familiar with yoga, which are all practices, which allow you to engage the breath but not everyone's familiar with those things yeah. so introducing breath work to someone who's unfamiliar with it is and someone who is in the throes of a panic attack mm -hmm. that can just be too much so the smile which is something a lot more accessible and um, that we're all used to doing yeah it can can I can see how that can really um, be a more accessible means to access the same benefits yeah so, so yeah, that's, that's fascinating. Um, that's fascinating. Now, if we move on then to, to, um, to delve a little bit deeper into mm. what you were talking about before, self-compassion and self-care. As you mentioned, you know, those words are banded around really um, quite frequently. So let's just get a bit clearer about what you really mean by those things and how we can um, adopt um, self-compassion and self-care. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, the, the, there's so much to it and there's self-compassion and self-compare will, will mean different things to different people in terms of what that actually look like, looks like. What I mean by self-compassion is on a very basic level, giving yourself a break, you know, and 
all those things that often have led to the anxiety or fuel the anxiety in terms of, you know, just in allergies, for example, there's often a lot of guilt that goes with it. There's often a lot of guilt of, you know, why didn't I recognize my baby had that problem? Um, you know, how did I let them go on for so many months being in such pain or guilt of, I accidentally gave my child that food that just led to an anaphylactic reaction. And, you know, being able, being carrying all that around, it makes everything so much harder. So, so things like that, things like, um, you know, giving ourselves forgiveness for things that have gone before, but also in the moment and not feeling like we have to fight the anxiety and that we have to get rid of it. You know, and I think we've had this conversation before that, you know, you can't get rid of anxiety and you shouldn't be trying to because it's, it's a, it's a natural emotion. It's a helpful emotion. Um, you can't think you're doing something wrong because that's happening is being able to kind of explore through that so that's really what I mean as the kind of heart of self-compassion I love that you know yeah the self-compassion just accepting I'm really hearing like this sort of need to accept where you are the the fact is you know you're, you're feeling anxious by layering an element by by layering um that anxiety within a layer of judgment Yes. around why you shouldn't be feeling this particular way is not really helpful. The fact is you are feeling that way right now. And that yep. feeling may well just be, it is valid. You know, that, that feeling is valid. Now, Completely. And I, I, I think that's, that's so important to, as you say, um, you know, see that it's valid. And also I think another level of acceptance, depending where your anxiety is coming from, sometimes we have to accept that, there's some circumstances we can change and we can work on. And there's some circumstances we can't. And actually we're just going to have to find a way to live with that anxiety or live with those challenges. And that's okay. The more we try to push it away and the more we try to fight it, the harder it comes back again. And that's what's so lovely about the system that you've got, you know, with this acronym, because it's actually inviting you later down to inquire. So we'll get to that yeah. point. We'll get to that point later. But that's that's such a, such a beautiful kind of um, link. Um, so so yeah. So so self compassion really sounds like it can mean multiple things to multiple people. Um, but the core of of it is to treat yourself with kindness in that moment and accept that you're feeling the way you're feeling and that's valid enough. Something else I would just like to mention with self-compassion here that I think is important for every, everyone to, to, to hear is that sometimes when I'm trying to um, explain about self-compassion to someone, I think about you know, how they would speak to themselves if they were their own child, for example. Yeah, definitely. Because this is what I'm talking about with this layer of judgment where you sort of, you know, start beating ourselves up for feeling the way that we're feeling and we shouldn't be feeling this and why am I feeling like this? And I'm so stupid for, 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 for finding myself here. And yeah. And a way to sort of, you know, just become aware of the thoughts and those judgments that you're holding about yourself is just sort of to take yourself out of the situation and and imagine you were coaching or just being with, just being with, for example, your child or your niece or your nephew or, 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 or someone that really ultimately may need your help at that moment. Mm. Just see how you would approach them. Yeah. 
and compare that with how you're approaching yourself against so so true yeah you know we we've all got that voice inside our head haven't we that tells us you know we're not doing enough or as you say oh you're so stupid why are you feeling this way if we were sat down with our best friend or our child we would never use that voice and we would never say those things and yeah I think that's a really yeah really good thing to remember yeah so that's really like if you if you're wondering whether or not you're being self-compassionate just for a minute just say would i be saying this to my best friend would i be saying this to my own child and that you can often you can just sometimes just examine how compassionate you are really being with yourself so definitely and then you move on to um m and that's for mindfulness so yeah Yeah. let's talk a little bit about about that because again that's a very widely used term and that can feel um inaccessible to some so yeah yeah you've mentioned it how that you use it to bring you right into the present let's talk about that yeah as you say I think there's and I think I had it as well this real misconception about mindfulness that mindfulness meant I had to sit there cross-legged and you know have mantras and, and do meditation and it's not to say that isn't great and that can't absolutely you know be a really great part of mindfulness but it doesn't have to mean that it can be so much simpler than that and it can be so much um easier to incorporate it into our everyday life when I talk about mindfulness what I mean is being in the present um you know focusing on what's happening now and not letting your mind spiral because you know I mean I was terrible for that and I'm not to say it doesn't happen now but now I know how to bring myself back again but you know just getting stuck in those I know I use the term what ifs but that's how it usually starts you know what if this happens and then what if that happens and and all those cognitive distortions where you start you know um, going off in different directions and on the same thing, you know, in terms of the self-compassion, if we start going backwards and thinking, oh, if I only hadn't done this or it's all my fault because I did that and that's how I've got where I am now. And, and we just spiral off in different directions where something that's been so, so useful to me is to really learn to live and focus in the present. And it's brought me so much calm and contentment as well because you you allow yourself to focus on those small things that really matter um you know so in terms of mindfulness that might just be going for a walk getting outside you know noticing the the birds or the trees or it might be sitting and playing with your kids but actually sitting and playing with them and not being distracted by your phone or or, you know thinking about what you need to do tomorrow but just getting into whatever zone they're in because the kids are the best at being you know mindful and in the moment they just naturally do it um so yeah it's really training yourself and focusing on being able to bring those things into your life as you say like anxiety has this way of just projecting us into the past or just projecting us into the into the future so you've got the future which is what ifs and then you've got all these stories about the past and again it just taking you away from the here and now and the here and now normally normally you are going to be safe yes so, yeah you know and that's the, that's the key point it's you know that, that I can see is you know normally when you're in this panic attack if you can bring yourself into the here and now you can instantly recognize hang on hang on I am yeah. safe I'm, I'm here I'm at home I'm, I'm outside I'm with the children I am safe yeah absolutely absolutely 
and that sort of t because it's true you know the what ifs what ifs what ifs what ifs and i think neg you know and you'll go into this negative negative spiral of um all the catastrophic events that your mind is um trying to protect you from and <laughs> um, but in doing so painting the worst possible scenario for you um that's actually unlikely to be occurring um, yeah. so you and just bring yourself back into the here and now you can you can reinforce that in the here and now you are safe yeah exactly and you can just be moving forward slowly you know looking at the next small step rather than focusing on those massive leaps or things that might or might not happen in the future yeah yeah so just be mindful that those are stories that your mind is making up but it's hard to it's hard to sort of process higher executive function when you're in such a state so really yeah instead of thinking it in those terms, just bring yourself to the now. You are safe in the here and now. And that's, that's a really good thing to, 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 ground, to ground you in. Um, and then... Um, yeah, and I think, you know, with the whole smile system is it's by looking at these things outside that moment where your thoughts are spiraling and the panic is kicking in, you're more able to draw on them when you do need them in that moment. So the more you can practice mindfulness in your everyday life and work on doing that, then the more likely you are to be able to draw on those resources when things are getting a little bit more out of control. That's such a great point because as, as we sort of were talking a little bit about using the breath um, to bring you back in the moment, if you're not familiar with using the breath, it's going to be very difficult to use the breath in a moment of panic because you need things that are almost yep. instinctual um, which is why the smile actually works so well, um, you know, to, to bring you back. So, so, so if we, if you're using mindfulness as a practice, um, then, then you are more, it's, it's more likely to be an instinctual, um, tool that you can pull up in, in a moment where you, um, lose your executive function. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. 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 So, so yeah, that's great. And I, and I know there's multiple, um, multiple apps out there um, and yeah to mention headspace to mention calm and um, just as a couple of resources which will really take you through um practicing mindfulness um on a more regular basis yeah and in a really nice easy bite-sized way as well you know it doesn't have to be difficult or scary or or inaccessible and those apps are really good for you know for learning that yeah great great and then if we can learn that we can pull on it in in moments of panic and then we've got um, I, which is investigate. So yes. tell me a little bit more about that. You're drawing on experiences you mentioned from cognitive behavioral therapy. Tell me more. Yeah, from, from different elements. And it's really about being able to dig deeper into those thoughts and, you know, understanding the whole thought, feeling and, and action cycle and, and, and how they interact and, and really being able to look at your thoughts and for the first step, realizing I don't have to believe them. Not everything I think is real, you know, which sounds obvious when you know it, but it's quite a big thing to get your head around when, when you haven't looked at it in that way. Um, and, and, you know, there's a lot of work that goes into really putting that into practice. But the first step is, is just to be being able to see it and being able to see that actually not everything I think is true. And then you can go a little bit further with that. 
so that is something big for some people to 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 understand that actually they shouldn't perhaps trust everything they think mm. so um i think that the, the the first time where i got introduced to this concept uh was when i started i was i was trying and i still am trying i mean it's a, it's a practice to to meditate and um mm. i don't find meditation the easiest or most natural practice but i do practice and um it does allow you to create space to observe your thoughts and once you get into the habit of observing your thoughts you realize how many thoughts you have and then yes <laughs> and then through that you realize um you realize how many thoughts that you have that as you say are actually not true yeah and are based on memories and based on fears and based on um all sorts of emotions that are coursing through your body will inform the thoughts that you have so yeah and it's just about being able to understand that more and really see you know we have so many cognitive distortions that that, that come up that, that influence our thoughts um, that we, we don't even realize and so we investigate a little bit deeper so you know specifically with anxiety it can be things like you know black and white thinking that you know things are going to go terribly or this always happens to me or one that I know I've always um dealt with a lot is you know catastrophizing you start off in one situation and then you take it all the way to you know this one small step is going to mean the worst will poss you know will happen not even possibly will happen in your head it will happen um you know just from a starting point that actually wasn't that big but it builds and it grows and, and, and it escalates um so firstly it's really about just recognizing and understanding how our brains work um you know how those things are influencing our thoughts and therefore our feelings and and really the next step after that is how that's influencing our actions because it, it's all this um you know, this step-by-step -step process. And that's what then leads on to us avoiding situations or not doing things or, or um, you know, building our life around our anxious feelings or these things that are kind of holding us back. And what you're saying there is really acknowledging that, that being the first stage, because as you say, these are going to, these patterns, these anxious patterns are very likely to have formed a long time ago. And you're going to have very well trodden and very well defined neural pathways. Yeah. When you have an emotional trigger to something, you're the, 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 you know, the, the chemicals that are coursing through your body, you're, they're going to go in one specific highway in your brain because that is the well trodden direction that this happens for you. And therefore, yeah. Therefore, you're going to have a cascade of thoughts, um, which you will start to recognize when you become a little bit more mindful of them. And yeah. this is a pattern. Yeah. And, you know, that's part of what I, I talk about, you know, just to throw some more letters out there, part of what I talk about in it is thinking about it with the four R's overall. So recognizing first, you know, recognizing that you're doing it recognizing how it's presenting in you because you know anxiety presents differently as we've spoken about it presenting physically but for me it was often anger and still is if I get anxious I often triggers me just to snap at somebody that's got nothing to do with the thing I'm worried about um but you know looking at those patterns and knowing oh actually 
maybe there's something else going on here, which before I really did, just didn't connect the dots at all. So being able to recognize it, knowing how to respond in the moment, um, you know, which we've already spoken about, and then knowing how to reframe those thoughts or those, th- those patterns, and then knowing how to refocus it and move on from it. So it, that understanding it is so key to being able to, to, to step out of it. Yep, that's right. It's, it's awareness, awareness, yeah. you know, being aware of your patterns and being aware of how you operate in the world gives you a little bit of space for choice. Yeah. And that and it's so, so important. So, um, yeah, starting to become a little bit aware, recognizing your patterns um, and investigating what it is that leads to what, what anger means to you, what happens to you when you feel anxious, all of these mm. really important, um, uh, these really important cues that you yeah. can become an expert on um, for yourself will really help you and the others around you hugely to be able to support you in moments that you um, may may be unable to support yourself in that in that moment. So even even yeah. then, knowing about you can help to educate others around you to recognise your patterns and what that actually may mean for you. Yeah, definitely. And what you need in that moment so such a huge huge piece is 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 um is investigating to understand and recognize your own patterns huge huge um and uh and and uh all it takes is just the awareness yeah absolutely that's the starting point really understanding it and being able to you know look at those things that we've held so true to ourselves that no this is you know yes it's this way there's no other way it could possibly be and being able to step through that and look for other evidence or maybe other thinking that 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 can show us oh maybe that's not quite the way I thought it was and then you can start to explore further when we identify so strongly with um, with our thoughts, so that's when we don't recognise that that not all of our thoughts are true, and we are not all of our thoughts. Then there does open up there opens up the the, the space to not necessarily have to identify with um, our every thought and not identify with every pattern, and to be able to just create that little bit of space in making a different choice. Yeah. So yeah, great. And then we move on to L. Yes. So this is really kind of the next step on from that. You know, we once you've explored those feelings, once you've understood them, once you've started to investigate them, then you can look at how do we let go of some of those limiting beliefs? Because we've we've all got limiting beliefs you know whether they're to do with anxiety or not we've all got those ingrained patterns that have come from childhood or experiences or trauma or whatever it may be and then when we we layer the anxiety on top of that we start designing our life or or our daily habits around that and often also what you can see is people start becoming anxious about getting anxious you know if they have experienced panic attacks or they have had those really physical sensations they try to avoid any triggers or avoid any situations that could put them back in in that moment and then it, it it's just a kind of self-fulfilling prophecy at that point that, that you know your your world gets smaller and you know I've had that with the allergies you want to 
you, you feel like, oh, well, if, if I don't go there, then I, there won't be any risk and I can wrap my child in cotton wool and everything will be fine and I'll be safe. And, 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 you know, and then you start making your world smaller and you make their world smaller. And, and actually it doesn't make any of the anxiety go away. It just stops you exposing yourself to it in that moment. So it's finding a way to work with that and in terms of making small steps forward, you know, once you understand your thoughts and your feelings, where they're coming from, um, and once you can figure out where you'd like to be, you can start making small steps towards that. And I'm really interested at the moment in, in something called action and commitment therapy, which I've realized recently, everything I've kind of been looking at and learning is so in line with that and looking at, you know, what are your values? What do you actually want your life to look like? How, how do you, do you want to go forward? Um, and that can really help you embrace a new path and, and look for those steps to take. I think, yeah, I think, I think what we need to sort of recognize at this step is also to bring compassion in here because and yes. a huge dose of self-compassion because I just want to, to recognize that the patterns that you um, are dealing with now are patterns which have allowed you to survive until this point. Yeah, yeah. So these are coping mechanisms that mm. will have helped you in your past and you can truly thank those mechanisms that you may have had to deal with some big trauma in your life. And even if you haven't, you may have perceived real fear in your yeah. life and you have developed coping strategies around them, which may be a strong, um, strong feeling of anxiety to remove you from that situation, which back God knows when in your journey, you may have really needed to use. So these strategies have been really important for you and there does need to be a big dose of self-compassion for you having those strategies. But as you say, for all of us, the strategies that have kept us safe when we were younger will become those that hold us back as we move forward. So as you say, strategies of anxiety, which previously have designed you to, get, to keep you away from danger will ultimately keep your life really small. And yeah. is that really what you want in your life moving forward? So I love that you're bringing this, um, this step in. Um, it really allows a proactiveness around yeah. actually what you want to do next, like what you want to do next. And I really love that you're framing this as an action and commitment. Mm. Um, no, I think that's so true. And I, I, I love what you're saying there, you know, that we have to, that's why they, everything, you know, interplays, we have to give ourselves that, you know, that self-compassion and say, you know, we've got here because of a reason and all these patterns that we've developed along the way kept us safe or, or kept us well then. But I think part of it is about giving yourself back that control because in anxiety we want to be able to control everything you know and this was huge for me I want to be able to control everything and the first time anxiety ever really reared its head for me was um when I was trying to get pregnant and we were dealing with infertility and it was back at the end of my 20s and it was the first time that I'd ever 
really not being able to fix something. I, you know, I'd always been able to, or tried very hard to control everything in my life and, you know, tickle the boxes and every, anything I wanted, I would figure out how to do it. And suddenly I was faced with something that I couldn't fix and I couldn't control. And it was just like this just massive, you know, hit in the face that I hadn't seen coming. And, you know, is it, with the allergies and things like that, you, you want to control everything because you think, oh, you know, that then we'll be safe if, everything, if I control everything. And part of, you know, managing your anxiety is realizing that's just not possible. We cannot control everything. We cannot control what's going to happen tomorrow or the next hour. What we can control is how we react to that, what next steps we take, how we move forward. So it's about, you know, shifting that sense of control from those outside influences that we can't do anything about and pulling it back to ourselves again. Yeah, really sort of, uh, yeah, really sort of moving from the focus to the external to, to, to the internal. And yeah. it's hard, you know, it is hard. If, if this year has taught us anything, mm-hmm. it's about a relinquish of control. Yeah. Um, and that has been really hard for so many people to deal with. And it is, it's hard for us to deal with. And this is our ego, you know, our ego really yeah. wants to... Um, control and a real eagle really wants to keep us safe. Um, the consequence of that, though, in in many instances, um, is it, it can limit us. Yeah, yeah, limit us. Um, and and to keep within our comfort zone, to keep within um in the realms of safety, which, as you've so so well put, can make our lives very small. And and um and I see people um, in the A and E who really struggle to to leave the house at times they really struggle to go and do their shop and that's just hugely exacerbated by um what's going on right now so there does need to be a, a commitment to self um that you know that they that, that you want your life to be different and in doing that there's going to need to be a sort of a, a, a change with in your relationship to fear, i.e., mm. being able to tolerate it a little bit more. Because as we've said at the beginning of this podcast, you know, it's not that you can't eliminate anxiety, you can't eliminate fear because we cannot control everything. So it's 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 becoming it's becoming more comfortable with the discomfort. Completely. And, and, and learning to sit with that a bit and not, you know, not being scared of it and not trying to fight it. And, you know, th- that's something again that, uh, you know, I bring up in the response stage in terms of once you've, once you've done the smile, you've, you've started to calm yourself. I literally say to myself, um, you know, I recognize what's going on. I'll say, you know, I'm, I'm worried about whatever and it's making me feel anxious and that's okay. And to sit there and literally tell myself to breathe and be calm and say, that's okay. That's okay. You know, so you're not trying to run away from it at that point. You're just sitting with it and accepting it. And then it's much more likely to pass and you can start thinking about how to move through it than if you're just trying to be like, oh my goodness, anxiety, panic, got to get away from it, got to run. Because then your body gets back into flight and fight mode, um, you know, and everything is heightened again. 
That's right. It's like you know, you're you're going to you're, if you're going to take an action to move to move with your fear is going to be moving through it. So it's going to be experiencing it and stay grounded in like I know what's happening. I feel out of control. My heart is racing. I, you know, I'm feeling, I'm feeling scared, you yeah. know, and you know, what, what, what have I committed to doing moving forward, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that, um, I think the step is really nice. The sort of letting go of the, of, of the, of the patterns that you had that are keeping you stuck yeah. Um, and stuck in the loop of anxiety and stuck in, 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 a, in, in, a, in a place of smallness. Um, mm. So, yeah, this, this work, you know, can be really worked through with a therapist. This Absolutely, is yeah. With a therapist. Um, and, um, and if you can't see a therapist, because I know that they're in, in really high demand, um, and so not everybody has access to a therapist, but I love what the way you framed that of like, what do you want your life to look like? What do you, you know, what, what do you, and therefore what do you need to let go of in order to um, achieve that? Because when you are actually moving towards a life that you want and you're taking action in support of that, one, that's hugely, that's self-care. That's true yeah. self-care right there. But also, you're going to gain trust in yourself. Yeah. You're yeah. going to gain trust. And you're going to gain confidence. And those, those emotions are going to naturally combat or just be able to allow you to sit in the anxiety that little bit longer because you've got this. You've got this. Absolutely. And it's about, you know, being able to take those small steps, not that, you know, again, it's that all or nothing thinking. We think, oh, I could never go to the, the shopping center or whatever it may be. And so then we berate ourselves for not being able to do it. And we think, oh, I'm never going to be able to ever do this again. Whereas if you can step back and say, okay, what would I like life to look like? I'd love to be able to go for a coffee with my mom, you know, and, and sit there. Well, where can you, where can you start? How can you, make small steps towards that we're not saying run out today and you know go to the big noisy mall and and order a coffee but maybe you could walk past the mall or maybe you could you know sit outside your house and have a coffee whatever it may be just those those small steps that you say so you slowly build that trust and confidence in yourself and therefore suddenly those next steps don't seem so far away that's right. That's that's right. And, and and with each action that you take, with each action that you take, um, you will get you know you'll get feedback mm. about you know that felt good. I'm yeah. so proud of myself for doing that. Um, or that was too much for now. I'm going to just you know you know do something a little bit more accessible. Or um, and and in in sort of tuning into yourself and and, and gaining a stronger relationship with yourself through this. Act, through, through, through the small actions that you're taking to support yourself to move forward with your life in the direction that you want it to move, yeah, you're going to you're going to feel less anxious because you 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 feel a sense of trust and grounding in your yeah. Own. And I think also reminding yourself that it's, it's not always a linear thing. You know, we we can be doing. You know, I I've 
been at points where, you know, I've been doing really well and I've had everything kind of under control and well managed. And then something else has come along that, you know, made my cup overflow or that I didn't see coming that has taken me back a massive step. And actually, again, you've got to be able to be gentle with yourself and say, okay, right now I just need to regroup. And I just need to, you know, maybe my world does need to be smaller just for a short amount of time while I kind of recalibrate and give myself that break. And then when I'm ready, I can start, you know, going back out again and do, using what I already know to help me. That's right. You can take a step forward. You can take a step back. It's just all about tuning in to, to, to yourself and also recognizing the limiting beliefs. Um, mm. so that you can sort of yeah, investigate whether what's really holding you back and whether, yeah. they're, whether, whether, they're, um, whether they're helping or hindering you. Mm. And then um, we move to the, to, the final, to the final letter, E. Yes. <laughs> Remind me what E stands for. So E stands for emotional freedom technique or more normally known as tapping. Yes. So tapping, this is something I know nothing about. And when you, when you did mention it, I was, I was also (laughs) tapping. Oh gosh. (laughs) But I'm really intrigued. Can you tell me a little bit more or tell us a little bit more about, yeah, what is, what is um, emotional freedom technique and and how does tapping fit into this? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, after I had my second child, my daughter, um, I had, a, I had a very traumatic birth and then I was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder after that. Um, and I was dealing with the PTSD and, you know, the flashbacks, and the intrusive thoughts from that. But it was also then fueling my anxiety about, you know, keeping the children safe as well. We were going through a stage where we, you know, had a lot of allergic reactions, a lot of severe asthma attacks where my son was ending up in hospital. And so I was trying to figure all that out. Um, And I was referred um, for some cognitive behavior therapy, um, which help to a certain extent and it definitely there's definitely benefits to it and you know there's elements of it that I draw upon within the smile program but I also found it quite limiting it was very prescriptive um it was very you know going down a certain path and actually um when you're dealing with anxieties or fears that do actually have grounding and basis to it um you can't necessarily get to a point where you're saying oh, well, no, that, you know, that's a, that's a silly anxiety to have because it's not, it's a perfectly valid anxiety to have. And so, so I I was hitting a bit of a brick wall with it, but I thought I'd, I I thought I'd made enough progress that actually I was doing okay. And, and I carried on. And then I was actually at a hospital. I was teaching um, a corporate communications course at a hospital and I walked past the maternity unit just randomly to find the toilet and had a panic attack and was like, oh, like totally, you know, didn't see it coming, wasn't pregnant, had no intention of being pregnant, was definitely not about to give birth. But, you know, it just completely triggered me. And this was about, a, it was a good year or possibly two after I'd um, had my daughter. And I was like, oh, okay maybe I'm not okay. (laughs) Maybe I actually need to be, you know, doing something more about this. Um, and I reached out to my friend who, um, 
is a, a coach and works with different therapists. And, and I had some sessions with her and then she suggested I tried emotional freedom technique and tapping. And I was like, oh, well, that sounds a bit weird. You know, I'm not, not really in all, you know, all that kind of alternative woo-woo stuff, but you sure? And, and, you know, I trusted her and I trusted what she was doing and it was a very, you know, safe space for me. So I was like, yeah, you know, let's give it a go. Why not? Um, and it was brilliant from the first session I did with her, it had such an impact and, you know, I've, I've used it ever since. So yeah, what is tapping? Um, the, 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 the science behind it and that, you know, there are, um, there's papers into it, you know, they've done scientific studies into it. It, it, it follows a similar idea to acupuncture. So it's following, um, you know, the pressure points in the meridian lines in the body to, um, try and release some of that, um, emotional kind of pent up energy. But it also goes alongside you vocalizing your fears or your feelings or what you're dealing with. So physically you're releasing it, but also emotionally you're, you're processing that information and you're working through it. So it works by Oh, we're on. I was just about to show you, but we're on a podcast. I can't really show you. So it works. It works by tapping different areas. You start in your head and then you move down your face and, and your chest um, and your hands. And while you're doing that, you're, you're, talk, you're basically talking through your feelings and, and, and you're, you're expressing what you're going through. And I just find it, it's a great release, but it's also something very practical you can do. Again, so it's something, you know, you can physically be doing something to get those emotions out. And also sometimes, you know, those emotions and those feelings and those thoughts that are in your head, sometimes when we try to deal with them inside our head, we can't necessarily make sense of them. But once we start talking them, it comes out and suddenly we, we, can, we, can, we can process it more and we can follow it through. So it's something you can do, again, with a therapist or it's something you can do for yourself at home. Yeah, I love that. I mean, when you're saying, you know, I think part of the 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 the, the power of, of verbalizing your thoughts or putting a name to the experience or to put a name onto your sen- the sensations that are, that are going through your body, you're in some way processing it, like you said. But it's also just there's, there's such a power to recognizing and being able to name what yeah. your experience is. It sort of takes a bit of power away from the 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 experience because you're able to just name what it is that's actually going on right now absolutely yeah definitely and i think with the tapping there's a sense of you know you you kind of repeat a couple of times what you're saying so it's really kind of pulling on it and as you say you you're you're recognizing it and you're not being scared or fearful of it again you're you're, you're kind of getting it out there and I think also what happens is you tend to then uncover more than you even thought about once you actually start vocalizing and you actually start talking it out by the end of it I'll often be like oh right I totally I totally didn't see that that's where that was going but somehow just by talking it out you get to a point a point where you release so much more so actually by engaging with your experience and, and verbalizing it, you're actually also learning about what's really going on for you. Because when you're sort of experiencing this flood of emotion, it can be so hard, especially in something like anxiety or panic, because it's such an overwhelming 
feeling that it's really hard to know what's triggered it, what's causing it, what, 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 what's going on. And so, yeah, if, if you, I can really see the, 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 um, the, the benefit, I guess, of, it keeps you in the moment. I mean, it's, it's keeping it does, yeah. bringing you to the present yeah. actually grounding you in some way to recognizing where you are in the world that you are right now here yeah. right now, and then just allowing you to, um, almost just, um, just communicate with yourself in that moment. So again, keeping you really present and yeah. processing, naming what's going on right here, right here in the present, which, which, which sounds, I can really see that, 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 that feeling. And I think it, it helps you reconnect with your body again, I think. Yeah. And, you know, we, we've spoken a lot about how, you know, there's the, there's the stuff going on in your head, but there's also the physicality of it. And I think what works really well with the tapping is it, it, it brings those two things together. You've got the physicality, you're reconnecting with your body, but you're also, um, you know, engaging your mind with that. So I tend to use it, I'll often use it, you know, if, if I'm feeling just nervous or anxious about going into a situation. You know, if I've got to have a conversation with someone or I'm going somewhere where I'm feeling a bit anxious, you know, I'll just do a bit of tapping to kind of, you know, just bring everything back together. Or something that often happens for me is I can feel like I've got my anxiety all under control, everything's going fine, but it will rear up in the middle of the night. I'll often have like anxiety dreams and then I'll wake up with it. Um, and if I try to just get myself back to sleep, it doesn't go. I have to properly kind of step out of that. And I find the tapping a really good way to do that again with, to kind of connect the physicality and the, and, and the emotions and really get it all out so that I can then go back to sleep again without mm. it, it coming back again. Mm. Yeah. There's something about the physicality, which I, I, I'm getting the sense that it just would feel very grounding mm. um, just to, just to actually, yeah, just to, bring the physicality of it but then you're bringing the mind with you and you're processing that I guess on a physical and an emotional level all at once yeah. in the present lovely oh gosh so yeah that's such a that's such an amazing um such an amazing um system I love it it just is it's very holistic and um and, and and I'm so grateful for for you sharing your knowledge in this way Emma Oh, thank you. You know, as I say, it, it all just grew out of my experience and not being able to find things that necessarily hit all the boxes that I needed them to. And as you said, you know, I would always advocate if you can to see somebody in person, to see a therapist, you know, to see a psychologist. But it's just sometimes so difficult to, to, to get access to that. And I know that I've been lucky in many ways because of our various situations that I have been able to do that. Um, but it's about, yeah, it's about giving people those tools to be able to do it themselves. And also, we also know there's a lot of people that but maybe don't feel comfortable or, or for various different reasons, aren't quite ready to maybe reach out in person and see one or, or have got other complications in their life where they might not be able to, you know, commit to that. There's so many different things going on and it's just giving people, you know, giving people access to those tools and also in a way that, you know, what I often find and found with the allergies as well is you've either got things that are a bit generic and, you know, maybe don't go quite deep enough, or you've got things that are really quite scientific or medical and actually very quite difficult to get your head around. And so I think for me, it's always been trying to, to, 
find that middle ground somewhere for people. And I think you just, you, you do that so well. And this is such an accessible um, tool that people can use with such an easy name um, that, that people can really get behind. And, and as I say, I would totally second second you there I mean working with a skilled therapist can really be so helpful to hold your hand and guide you and pick out you know the help help you recognize your patterns and, and your and your limiting beliefs yeah. I've, I've been through therapy myself and I found it to be really useful but as you said there's just so many people who that's not possible or accessible mm. to and I am um, the whole point of, of, of Dr. Body, Mind, Soul, um, or a huge mission of, of mine through this podcast is to provide an alternative for those um, who may be waiting um, uh, or, or who cannot access um, the, the, the therapy that they that yeah. need right now. So I really am so thankful that you're sharing um, your knowledge and your resources with us. And I, I think just- it's been brilliant being able to talk about them. Yeah, and I also just really want to highlight that you've got a wonderful book um, called Living with Allergies. I've got a copy right here, so I'm just going to show that to um, the video just in case we have a clip. Um, But it's called Living with Allergies, and um, it's just a really practical um, guide for um, families who are living with allergies, and it covers not only the practical kind of um, science behind all the um, mechanisms that allergies work work alongside, but it's also really recognizing the emotional impact yeah. that a lot of families um, are, uh, who are dealing uh, with sort of life-threatening conditions um, face. So um, a really good resource um, for, for people. So um, yeah, we'll put a link to that in our show notes. And I'm also Thank you. Put a link to some of the re- the references that we've that we've talked about during our podcast. I'm going to um, I'm going to ask you for those, Emma, so we can put them into the show notes and um, allow. Um, they'll be all on my website when my website comes up. There will be a resources page where I'll be putting all the resources um, from these podcasts in a really easy, um, really easy to find um, sort of. Um, database so that so that we can sort of um, all all learn um, about the research that's gone on the gone into or, or gone into these studies great um yeah so emma i understand that you're actually working with people individually through this smile program can you tell um can you tell us where we can find you yeah so the best place to find me at the moment is on instagram um i'm under emma.amascotto and so i share a lot of advice and insight on there and then I've been running the smile program um, up to this point with kind of select groups um, and kind of in individually that in the near future when it all comes together um, there'll be a lovely snazzy website and um, I'll be yeah releasing the smile program more widely for people to be able to access. Great so if anyone who's interested in that I'll be putting Emma's handle Emma Amascato, um, Emma dot Amascato. Um, I'll be putting the link to her Instagram in the show notes, and also I'll update those show notes when you have a website that we can get to. So yeah, keep me keep me informed, Emma. I will do. I will do. I'll get working on it. <laughs> Super. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Great. That's perfect. Thank you so much for your time, Emma. You're welcome. It's been brilliant. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so, so much for joining me today. If you have any questions relating to this episode, or you have a topic you would like me to explore on the next podcast, shoot me a DM on Instagram at DrBodyMindSoul. 